1: underpowered hour on this week's show we talk about a new six x six defender a huge spike in land rover defender thefts and finally we're joined by camel trophy 95's daphne green and jim sweat to talk about all of their adventures and now without delay here's the show Welcome to the Underpowered Hour. I'm Steve Barris, mild-mannered television executive by day and Land Rover collector by night. You can find out more about our cars and what we're working on at thebarriscollection.com or follow us on Instagram, at thebarriscollection. I'm joined, as always, by
2: my good friend. Ike Goss. Thank you to everyone joining us today. I'm the lack of safety features to Stephen's side curtain airbags. I'm the cervical fracture of podcasting, Ike Goss. I own and operate Pangolin 4x4 in Springfield, Oregon, where we live and breathe Land Rovers. Check us out online on Facebook, Instagram at Pangolin 4x4. Let's get started. All right, Ike.
1: Well, in the news this week, I know you're a fan of two things in this world. That's six-wheel Land Rovers and the new Defender. Well, you are in luck, my friend. Finally, two worlds have collided what? into the world's first new Land Rover Defender 6 by 6 I, I, I didn't think it would happen. Here we are. Here we are, right? You know, we thought just yesterday that it, it wasn't possible. Here's the thing. This is an article in the DuPont Registry known for its classified ads for used Rolls-Royces and expensive champagne reviews.
2: I feel like the target audience of the DuPont registry is not the ultra wealthy, it is the 17-year-old boy. Absolutely, yeah. that is 100% true.
1: I don't think they're even trying. I think that's no. Exactly, that's yeah, interesting. So in this article, we'll put a link in the, uh, in the old show notes so that everybody can head over, because really, you can't completely, like The Matrix, you can't completely appreciate this thing without experiencing it for yourself. There are some photos, but I have to say, the photos are highly dubious. The completed car is very clearly and without question simply a rendering. Like it's a poor Photoshop job. And then there's also some photos of someone in a garage somewhere grafting extra length onto a Land Rover
2: uh, Defender. There's a big gap between the the real photos
3: mm-hmm.
2: and the finished rendering, right? Like um yeah. this yeah. thing has giant tires on it and they've yep. they've got a Defender with giant tires on it. Yes. And then they have a forklift behind the Defender with another axle with yes. giant tires on it. Yes. So, and
1: it's literally, I mean, it's literally just a regular Defender in one of these photos. And it, it, the axle's just kind of like here, like it would be here. I could make this photo with my car without too much effort. Now, there is another photo where they do have some body work where it's it's clearly been extended into kind of a truck bed but if you look underneath the superstructure underneath there does not look particularly solid or remotely uh, road worthy. So uh, it looks no. like it's a ways it's a ways off. It's a ways off. This
2: the uh, rendering is is uh, amazing for a few different reasons. You know this thing is probably four feet off the ground. Yeah, and uh, it has a running board which splits the distance between the ground and the door frame. so yeah. it's got a running board that hangs down two feet off the side of the car. It's got fender flares that mm-hmm. are probably eighteen inches is yeah. deep on each yeah. side. Yeah, on each side, of, and there's a roll bar going into the fender flare, which I love. That's a that's a really nice detail. The the roll bar fender flare combo. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, the combo. Yeah. That, and then there's nice,
2: there's yeah. a spare tire, which has to be like yes. a 42 inch tire. Uh, absolutely. It Looks like hood, a dump truck. It's a dump truck tire. Yes, and it- on the hood of this uh, or bonnet, as uh, some of our Major- listeners are, are accustomed to hearing. <laughs> and so the, it's, like, taller than the windshield of the yes. car. There's no way you could see out of this vehicle. It yeah. has... Oh my gosh, it's, yeah. you, I could keep going. It's No, it's sp-
1: it's really amazing. It's really kind of got everything that you, you would want. Now, the funny thing it's is... It's got is, everything a 17-year-old boy would boy want. Reading the DuPont Registry would want. Now, the yeah. funny thing is, is this particular article, I feel like may have been written entirely by AI, along with generating its own images based on those two images of an actual targeting strategy, because there's just a ton of interesting and highly factual things, for instance, They say the model is called the Carpathian, but of course the Carpathian is just the highest trim level of the defender. So I'm pretty sure you couldn't call it that. And then they also call it the apocalypse a few
2: times. And it's kind of an And on the rendering, yeah, yeah. you know, where it would normally say Land Rover, it says Ender. Ender D E R. Yeah. Ender ender. And yeah. uh, I like to refer to this vehicle as the rear ender. Well, the rear ender, because <laughs> rear you won't, rear. you can't see out of that windshield because of the tire. Yeah. No, so you have just to drive gonna, backwards.
1: Yeah, you're just going to go. Well, and with the six wheels, the traction is much better in reverse anyway. So it's, uh, yeah, it's an interesting car. Uh, I don't imagine one could ever actually buy it. And if it could ever be purchased, it would be absolutely terrible. So you It know, looks,
2: you. It, it, you know, I, I think the, the 107 wagon has uh, the greatest turning radius of any factory Land Rover model. Yeah, I think that's true, yeah. It, yeah. Even more than the Defender 130. Yeah. And this thing, I don't think it turns. I think you just no. have to go in a straight line. You just have to go in
1: a straight line. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, it's amazing how even longer wheelbases did improve the turning circle over the 107. It was just one of those things where, you know, more than six inches in each direction of steering wheel travel probably has something to do with that. But at this any is rate... an amazing vehicle. Yeah, it is Definitely an amazing vehicle. go check it out. Go to the DuPont Registry's website. Again, the link is in the show notes and uh, check it out. You know, hey, let's set up a test drive, I think. Maybe yeah. we can collaborate with these guys. We'll do an underpowered hour edition six-wheel drive.
2: New, new shop new, truck, the rear
1: ender. Sh- the rear ender. I can't wait. It's, it's, a real good, it's a real good one. Well, speaking of new shop trucks, the Land Rover Defenders theft rate has skyrocketed by 87% in the british countryside. They were side. they
2: were a popular target of thieves before this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so uh, apparently Yeah, this is
1: up 87% from what? From 90% of all of them getting stolen. Like,
2: yeah. So I think every every single well, one is now every been stolen. Every single one has stolen. Yeah, it's serious. Yeah, they have a lot of recommendations. Yeah. This is this yeah. is in the UK by the way, which I yeah. think uh, suffers from pretty rampant property theft anyway, but uh, apparently the defender very easy to steal and also very easy to part out and sell. So, Absolutely. Even uh, in some cases,
1: as it was the case at the uh, the Glastonbury Music Festival, you can part them out right there while they're parked. You just take the parts you want, leave the rest. So true. It's true. Uh, it's true. Yeah.
2: If you look on eBay in the UK, something like 90% of the parts are, yeah, are stolen.
1: Are stolen from Glastonbury. Yeah, it's a, it's a yeah 87% increase in an already high thing. It is something to think about for sure. And, you know, it, a lot of the early cars, I mean, up until what the TD5 was the first one with like an immobilizer kind of setup, but you think that was that was very late in the world of automotive protection to not really have any kind of appreciable way to to satisfy not having the entire car taken. And
2: even the Puma,
1: you could take the doors off, you could take the hood off, you could do you could do all that stuff relatively easily.
2: Yeah. And, and some of those transponder keys have allowed thieves to steal cars even faster even than faster, traditional yep. locks and they just hack yeah. the software and yeah. it's pretty incredible it's pretty well famously it was
1: it's a kia right is that the that's yeah. the current one that like there is a it's such a bad problem that they're telling you to
2: like park them indoors and like i saw a kia here in town the guy had rebadged it as a ford to prove <laughs> to to uh, throw off thieves, you oh, know? He, thieves. Put thro- he put the Ford logos over the Kia logos. That's a good idea. That's a good idea. Yeah. yeah. Thieves I don't apparently th- aren't that smart. Aren't so that smart, So they just see the yeah. Ford logo, oh, we can't steal this. We can't steal that. Maybe put the uh, Mercedes logo on the Defender. People will just think it's a Glendwagen. May- or Ineos. Really. Or Ineos logos They do now. give you some suggestions in this article on mm-hmm. how to keep your Land Rover Defender safe. Uh, things like etching the VIN number into every piece of glass on the car and uh, immobile, okay. like the pedal boxes that yes. clip over your pedals yes. And, yes. and lock in place.
1: Like the boot, but for your pedals.
2: Don't post any pictures of where you live or where you keep the car on social media. Okay. Yeah. Thieves fair. are going through social media posts and finding out where these defenders are live and then and then do that and then park it near a, a well-lit area with camera. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, what were some of the other ones? Uh, you know, keep it locked. Uh, fill it
1: with poisonous gas. Fill,
2: fill it with with asps. Yes. poisonous asps. <laughs> keep those. Keep those in there. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, it's yeah. it's pretty incredible at the rate that, that these things get so An eighty seven percent increase. How is that even possible? I don't even know. These <laughs> industrious like people. Yeah, yeah, this is
1: really incredible. Well, they're having to—they're having to get more and more industrious. They've stolen most of them already. There's very few left that haven't been stolen. So,
2: but the, how can that get, be if there's an 87 percent increase? I don't know. Yeah, well, I think impossible. maybe if
1: there's only ten left and they—they uh, they steal eight of them, then
2: if your defender has been stolen, we want to hear from you. We want to hear all about you know the situation, how it happened, what yeah. happened afterwards. Did you get it back? If your car has been stolen more than once more
1: than once we're gonna send you a t-shirt
2: we'll pay you to be on the show we, 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 what's the record yeah, for the, what's, what's the defender record? that's been stolen yeah. the most number of times <laughs> like three four or five times i mean at some point it's got
1: to get up there because you know there's only so many you can steal it's like a uh, fishing in a lake at some point all those fish have been caught once before so uh we're going back for a second round now
2: yeah you know maybe it's been maybe your defender was stolen and parted out and then reconstituted <laughs> into another vehicle that was then stolen
1: stolen I think we start looking for that record. I think that's a worthwhile—that's a worthwhile enterprise. Put a bounty you know?
2: on that. If your car yeah. has been stolen, if your defender has been stolen more than three times, there's yeah. a bounty. We want yeah, to hear for it. sure.
1: We're going to give you something. We'll send you a Chapman tool set.
2: Apparently, uh,
1: you know, it is uh, the new Range Rover. So the the newest, fanciest, most uh, reductively mm-hmm. designed Range Rover is now one of the more difficult cars to steal. The like theft rate over this first year that it's been out. According Mm -hmm. to Adrian Mardell, the new CEO of JLR, he said it's near zero, close to zero that the new the new cars have been stolen. And in a year, you would think that there would be if there were going to be a lot of thefts that, you know, they would have happened. And I don't know, maybe that's just too new of a vehicle for people. It's too hard to steal or something. They can't get the door handles to come out like it's all smooth, right? Like you can't even. How do you even, you kind of can't even get your fingers in anything to open
2: it. I don't know. It'll happen. Uh, I'm I'm sure after, you know, a little bit of time, these super cyber criminals will uh, figure it out and you'll be able to, you know, start that thing with uh, like Apple 80 or something. It'll it'll just, it'll just happen. Everybody
1: has to get the like laptop toting alt teen on their criminal uh, theft team to be able to hack the, hack the nets.
2: Either that or they'll just be like some coincidental thing. That like every time you you know punch in you know yeah. two minutes into your yeah. microwave like the doors unlock on your Range Rover it'll that's just right. be it, it'll be something like that and then and, and, then, and then that um, yeah that hack will spread like wildfire through yep. the internet and right. uh, they'll all be stolen. Well, it's I think a
1: fairly well known thing on the L three two two Range Rover, my favorite Range Rover. I think peak, it's a good one. Probably peak Range Rover. I don't think they got any better than if you take the seatbelt and you plug it in and out and in and out and in and out of the seatbelt receiver very quickly like 20 30 times it will never bong to tell you to put your seatbelt on ever again wow it i don't know what it does but like i think the i don't know what happens but anyways that happens and the computer no longer tells you to put your seatbelt on
2: so it, the computer knows it's just like fine <laughs> Fine. Whatever. I don't fucking care. Whatever. I'm not going to remind you anymore. We're through. We're through. I don't even care about you. I don't even care about you you anymore. So it's it's like a little text message that comes uh, (laughs) on the screen. Yeah, I don't even care about just, you anymore. Yeah, yeah. It just pisses your Range Rover off to the point of indignance. Which, yeah, thanks. Thanks, Steven. Now uh, everyone knows how to hack their Range Rover to that's right. remind them. That's right. I'm going to be responsible for
1: so many through-the-windshield ejections and uh, high-speed crashes in L322 Range Rovers. I apologize to the world at large use these tips again at your own risk you know there's a there's a top tip but you know it's maybe slightly more dangerous than filling spray cans with compressed air but that's a lot less annoying when you get in and out of the car but yeah so anyways i actually want an l322 range rover i am um, i've been kind of casually casually looking they're like you can get one for like five grand now you know like they're um you know they're pretty- a lot of car
2: for five grand it is. It's a great
1: car. It will definitely need new timing belts and all that sort of business. But usually at about 150,000 miles, that stuff all goes and has been redone. So I'm sort of in the market for like 180,000 mile car. You know, Dan and Ivan at Rover Talk talk about that all the time because Dan's a huge L322 fan. And uh, you get one that's like somebody has already done all that shit to it. And maybe it's eight grand instead of five grand, but uh, you know, it's a big job to do the timing belts on that car. Apparently it's a pretty major amount of uh, labor to do it. And you know me, I don't like new cars at all. Or so. labor. Or labor. I don't like either of those things. I like driving them, but I don't like having to deal with all their fucking magnesium things and clips and plastics and all that sort of stuff so but uh but at any rate yeah i uh you know i would have one i would have one if there was a if there was a neat one i like silver you know a silver one would be kind of cool or maybe that really dark green I like really i'll dark keep green. i'll keep my eyes peeled i have a rolls royce that uh that you would uh you just love you know the, the one funny. with a rat's
2: nest in the engine bay yeah
1: what's well, more than just a rat i think it's a it's a it's a generational nest i believe there is there's probably 30 years of rats that have called that that engine. You can't home. even see the engine. There's so much rat nest. It's amazing. It is really, really incredible. Uh, it, the, the interior, it? though, is in really good shape, which sort of that equation doesn't really balance for me. It was kept in a garage, but I guess kept in a garage with uh, a hole to a giant open field right behind it or something. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Capital J- critters. Jay Leno found an XKE in a garage here in Burbank not that long ago, maybe about a year ago, I think, or something mm-hmm. like that. And uh, it was stored for 50 years. It was parked. And then the gentleman, I guess, started drinking and hoarding. And it was when they found it covered with blankets and a radiator and a microwave and just piled. Like literally, you could just see, I guess, the back bumper.
2: You're describing your own garage.
1: You that's know? my that's right. this is here. He found it here. Uh, I found it in your garage. It was in my garage. And I guess a Burbank police officer, this gentleman died and for some reason the Burbank PD got involved and they they I guess they told Jay Leno. They like stopped by Jay Leno's place and like, "Hey Jay, there's this old car," which doesn't seem fair for the rest of us, but whatever. And uh, yeah, they dug this car out and they polished it and they, you know, they had to replace, I think, brake and clutch master cylinders. And I think they replaced the wheels because the wire wheels were were pretty, pretty corroded and probably not safe. But otherwise, it's like a totally original car, original interior, original paint. They popped all the dents from the water heater and stuff out of it, but they didn't repaint it. They just massaged all the dents out and pretty neat car. He just put a video up on his uh, Jay Leno's Garage website of the first time it's been out actually driving and, and all polished up and everything looks really cool. And totally cool. original car, you know? You don't see that very often, especially, I think there's 18,000 miles on it or something. Really, really low uh, Series 1 uh, E-Type uh, Jag and uh, convertible, which is, which is not my favorite, but still cool. Still pretty very cool. Very cool. So, yeah. Speaking of original convertibles, we have a absolutely stellar Dynamite interview today with two Camel Trophy legends, but more importantly, two Camel Trophy legends that did the Camel Trophy Together. For the first time in Underpowered Hour history, we have an actual Camel Trophy team. The folks that sat next to each other in the front of that Discovery for two weeks going through the incredible uh, adventure that they did. Daphne Green and Jim Sweat from... This year's anarch. This is coming to. We're not quite at the bottom of the anarch list, but we're we're getting through. Them. We're we're getting through these uh, incredible anarch interviews. These folks are great. Uh, I can't wait to talk to these folks. They're
2: they're amazing.
1: All right. Well, let's thread up that tape and uh, roll it. Let's go. All right. We're back again at the uh, beautiful anarch diamond jubilee, seventy uh, fifth anniversary of Land War celebration here in Cortland, New York, at the Greek Peak uh, Resort, and we are joined by yet another. Uh, pair of Camel Trophy drivers, but in a uh, underpowered hour. First, the first team to appear together, of course, uh, Jim Sweat and Daphne Green from the 1995 uh, Camel Trophy uh, team uh, here together with us. It's it's like we're all packed into a Discovery uh, trudging off-road. Uh, you know, at least uh, at least karmically we are. Just it's just as tiresome. It's just as tiresome, and there's. It's <laughs> just it's just as wet and and musty in here. Yeah. So thank you both for joining us. It is always a huge honor to uh, to have any uh, Camel Trophy participants on the show. And uh, Jim, this time we promise we won't uh, we won't uh, delete this episode. The the truth is actually that again it was so salacious uh, that Mister. Hood made us delete it. So I, uh, yeah, I- it certainly was not a technical issue. Uh, it was uh, it was just too spicy. I I thought I was behaving myself. That's right. Yeah, there was just there was a lot of there was a lot of spicy information given out. And uh, so anyways, uh, welcome. uh, Thank you again for joining us. And let's talk just a just a brief moment here about Camel Trophy 95. Uh, Tell us about it. How is it that you folks found yourselves uh, out in uh, the world of uh, competitive Olympic level off-road driving? What, uh, What brought you
0: there? Come on, Daphne. You tell this better than I do. So go ahead.
3: No, I think uh, there was uh, an outreach that was done by, uh, you know, Camel uh, to participants within the United States. I'll let Jim speak to his. I had heard about it from a friend of mine who knew I had done... I came from a background of um, mountaineering mm-hmm. and backpacking and, and triathlons, and so came to it much more from an athletic perspective. Right. And I thought, well... I Typically, I'll use a vehicle to get to a trailhead. Right, um, but I certainly didn't have what what Jim brought to it. But I had heard about it, and I thought, may as well apply. Let's see. So, uh, I trained hard in mm-hmm. advance of going to Colorado, and ultimately, well, actually, you you know, you submit an application, that's reviewed, and ultimately, then a certain number of us went to Colorado train, and then competed there for 30 hours. Wow. Uh doing, nonstop. nonstop, doing yeah. both uh, doing both physical, uh, you know, some of the, the mental handwritten things and then uh, and then driving. So I didn't even actually I remember hearing Jim at one point, but right. I never even saw Jim <laughs> until the very sort of the last I think it was the last event. And then we were paired together. So um, let Jim speak to how he got there. But I think another story from when we both got together
0: yeah so uh and my story is not altogether similar but fairly fairly similar mm-hmm. i read about it in a magazine mm-hmm. i had been off-roading since i was a kid at motorcycles and quads and four-wheel drives i'd built a bunch of them as well so actually in 1989 is when i saw the first uh, application for it in the magazine yeah sent in for the app saw what it was going to entail for time commitment right and decided that i was just married and building a new house (laughs) needed to do other things right right went back and and somewhere in mid 94 i saw another blurb in one of the four-wheel drive things uh so you want an adventure or something like that yeah yeah. uh like daphne had said you send an application in you send a a request for an application in yeah then you put together your resume fill out the application that's how they start weeding everyone out yeah you can't answer the questions on an application right (laughs) they don't even call you back right 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 Right. (laughs) around 2500 people applied our year which sounds okay. like a lot but like germany the same year around forty thousand people applied for those wow. same two spots so wow. a lot bigger selections process in sure. other countries for sure but in the u.s it was relatively kind of in their our own click of the off-road right. world right so, right and the uh,
1: discovery of course was just sort of just
0: new just like brand new to our market yes exactly yeah. But, yeah. and fred actually so fred was just here yep. he was in the first discovery for camel trophy it was yeah. a two door yeah. or three door they call it that's right so but no that uh and then TC, Tom Collins, would Mm -hmm. call you up on the phone uh, once he saw your uh, resume and your application filled out correctly. Yes. And he'd call you up and give you a phone interview, and then that's how we got invited to uh, Colorado.
2: Wow. So now the selections process, you know, how does that work? Is that run by Land Rover? Is it run by Camels? Is it run by by an outside company? Is it How how does that work?
3: Combination, both Land Rover and Camel. And so um, Land Rover, obviously, is the vehicle sponsor, wanted to have a say in it. And, and worldwide brand as well.
0: Yeah. That was the parent sponsor. Yeah. Right. I uh, see. Which is a German-based, I think, company. Yeah. And by the time our year got there, they gave 50% of the selections money needed to do the selections. Mm. And then the market would give the other 50%. It's that way everybody had a little bit of a say in it. And like, like yeah. Daphne had said, around a day and a half worth of uh, selections process with a bunch of tests and swimming, running, yeah. orienteering, yeah. cutting firewood, right, first aid stuff, yeah. chainsaw stuff, yeah. driving, mechanical
3: Driving nighttime. Yeah, yeah that nighttime.
0: Was the- orienteering on foot, orienteering in a vehicle. Yeah. Recovery, yeah. wenching. Now, that so my background, unlike Daphne's, was mostly that stuff. Right. I see. Right. Where, so I felt like my whole life had led me to this path. Right. Which was pretty interesting because I'm still doing it, and now I'm old. <laughs> <That's- so. laughs> now,
2: now, Fred was telling us that, that you know, there's a transition between the focus on the vehicles and the focus on the, the more athletic events and the orienteering and the, you know, swimming and these sorts of things. And ultimately you saw that transition, you know, into mountain bikings and kayaking and, and, and eventually just boats, like there was no vehicles at all, really. Uh, so in in the year that you participated, was that
0: transitioning happening? It was almost almost completely happened, just not all disciplines of various stuff. Like we didn't see mountain bikes. Sure. Right. Okay. But we, I would say that ours was about 50-50 mm-hmm. between off-roading and the physical uh, Testis. Yeah, right. it sounds right. like that was a good fit for your background. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was a great fit. She was in way better shape. <laughs> <laughs> she, can, she can easily outswim me. Yeah, and yeah. easily outrun me. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that's yeah. a pretty high uh, bar, bar though. Well, yeah. I mean, I hate running
1: <laughs> <laughs> unless being chased by a bear or something. Cut. Yeah, I, I'm in the same boat. I, I I agree with you. I agree with you. Well, so let's talk a little bit about then Land Rover and your relationship with the brand before camel trophy were you guys into land rovers beforehand or was this uh was this uh, sort of exotic british
0: off-road vehicle something new that was introduced because of the camel trophy okay Uh, (laughs) usually i let let her go first she's way better more eloquent at this stuff uh i had always aspired to 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 own a land i I love all kinds of four-wheel drives yeah so uh matter of fact I, i mean my first vehicle was a car Mm -hmm. I had 22 points from speeding tickets. Whoa. (laughs) So I decided to get a truck. Right, yeah. And then it was like a month later, I was stuck in the woods with my friends out (laughs) partying. Yeah, that's right. And then I realized I needed another lever. Yep, that's right. And that's how four-wheel drive started That's right for me, and that was very young. And uh, ever since then, I've always loved Land Rovers, but they were a little out of my price range. Mm -hmm. And where I live, most of them were a little rusty. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Was that politically correct? That doesn't really narrow down where you live. I live in New England. <laughs> <laughs> <That's> so, <right. laughs> but it just so happened that they were pricier than i my first real what i would consider my first real sport utility four-wheel drive stuff i got into toyota's very early so i yeah. was yeah, in yeah. F, fj40s for a long time yeah matter of fact i had three fj40s when i did camel trophy and then i bought my first range rover mm-hmm. and built that so mm-hmm. um but, but that's kind of i love all vehicles so right. i mean i have a problem i've I think seven or eight registered. All of them have we, the extra lever. Right. We don't, we, right, yes. we don't talk course. about that being a yeah, problem. Yeah, 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 we don't. Kind of no, no. It's a problem, it uh, not for me. Yeah. But it's a problem around me. That's right. I was going to say it's only a problem if you admit that it's a problem. Right. Yeah. <laughs> otherwise, it's fine. I, right, I have an yeah. unbelievably tolerant. Yeah, Uh, wife. That's right. So I think uh, and
3: a uh, a happy insurance broker. uh, Yeah, that's very (laughs) You know,
0: all of my vehicles Mm -hmm. cost less than half Mm -hmm. to insure than my wife's one vehicle. Right. Yes. So is this how you justify it? Absolutely. That's right. That's
1: exactly right. That's exactly (laughs) right. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. (laughs) How about you, Daphne? How uh, what was your relationship with Land Rover before? A dear
3: friend of mine, actually, when I was Mm -hmm. ten, was rebuilding a vehicle. Land Rover vehicle, and uh, ended up taking it from uh, California down to Chile. Okay. So yeah. um, I was, you know, one of those ones, can I Can I help? Uh, but really nothing more than that at the time. So I didn't come to it as Jim did.
2: Right. But again, That's...
3: just a balance. So yeah. w-
2: when you saw the, you know, the article or, uh, you know, the that the event was happening, it was the, was it the athletic uh, portion that appealed no. to you? I mean, I, I or yeah, just again, the, the
3: driving, the adventure, I had heard about Camel in 94, but it wasn't open to women. I mean, mm-hmm. it wasn't open in, at, at that point in time, no, i had heard about it before, but I couldn't, oh, that's right. I was, I was climbing, I think in Denali on, in 94. So I was like, all right, well, 95 I'm in. Cause now mm-hmm. it is open to mm-hmm. women. I think the combination, because I love to drive, Uh, And and that combination of the two was really intriguing. And the ability, teamwork is really important to me. And so just all the different aspects of it, I was like, oh, this is interesting.
2: I think that's something interesting that I hadn't really uh, uh, considered before is that like Camel Trophy is in some ways a unique event in that way, combining several different disciplines. Like it seems like before that, like a motorsport event was just a motorsport event for the most part. And then athletic events were just that, so it was a lot more specialized. And I really think that the popularity of Camel Trophy came from that sort of fusion or that nexus of all of that going on. I think it really did appeal to a lot of people, really a worldwide interest in this. I went to um, uh, Bob Ives's farm, as Stephen did yep. too, for the camel reunion or mm-hmm. whatever that they had there. And it was incredible how fascinating and interested people are in the event still to this day. You know, years and years removed from it, just the enthusiasm that 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 brings to people, the nostalgia, like, it's really incredible, and I didn't necessarily appreciate it. Like, I saw Camel Trophy, and I never got super excited about it, and I've learned so much since uh, spending time with Steven, because he's a real enthusiast, and, uh, you know, I was just blown away by the reception that uh, all the drivers got, all the people uh, that got that were involved got you know everybody wanted every story it's really cool
3: well, I think the 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 it really it was sort of the the really cutting edge of adventure racing yeah and mm-hmm. and what we saw after that was so it just boomed across yeah. the world um and and so that's always been interesting to me that I think the difficulty was is that there was always the association, oh, you must smoke because a camel right, and it yeah, was like right. no, you can't do this event, you remember those guys from the Canary Islands. You can't do this event and and smoke or if you do, you're not gonna do very well, right, of course, yeah, yeah. you so, have to
1: be in in great shape, right. and uh yeah, no, it's interesting because I spoke with someone they were at my at my shop, and uh, I have the ninety three camel trophy uh car, which you both have uh, nicely signed for me. I appreciate that it is the interior is covered in camel trophy competitor signatures and uh and someone was uh, a younger person in their early 20s was sitting in it. This is just incredible. I've seen all these pictures. I have Nick Dimbleby's book. And uh, they uh, didn't know that Camel was a cigarette brand. They're just young enough that it, you know, the thought of a cigarette brand, you know, I mean, they'd, they'd seen the logo and stuff, but they, they would it- never have thought that a cigarette brand had sponsored the race, so I think it's interesting because especially with Nick's book and things now uh introducing this event to a whole new generation of people, they don't make that association of like oh that's the brand my you know my my parents smoke or something it's like no, probably their parents' parents may have smoked but but right. they they didn't so it's just really interesting uh, what do you mean it's it's the same as the cigarette I thought it was like I, I yeah, I guess you didn't think about it and and no, it's interesting to think that of course now we couldn't. We couldn't do that. But uh, but such an iconic uh, thing. And it's funny because I, you know, in in Canada, I always wanted to do uh, Camel Trophy. Uh, don't even come close to having the ability to do that. But being from Canada, it wasn't open to us. And so we had to live sort of vicariously through the bootleg VHS tapes that we would get uh, or the uh, you know magazines that we would uh, that we would be able to get in from friends in the UK or something um you know many nick dimbleby photos uh, have uh, have i seen from a you know a magazine borrowed from a friend in France or or something like that so it's it's interesting that um you know it was open to the whole world and it was enjoyed and loved by countries that uh you know didn't even have access to it never had a team in it or or anything like well,
3: that but... jim said there were um the year we competed it was a million applicants worldwide right. for 40 right. slots right. Wow. that's amazing so you know ultimately when we finished in colorado with the us trials we then they narrowed it down to four of us. We went to Istanbul, Turkey, right. for a week-long competition, and then at the end of that week-long, then they narrowed it down to two people, Jim and myself, and then ultimately we trained and then and then headed to Central America. So that's
1: a perfect segue because, as I said before, you are the first uh, team that we have uh, we have ever uh, had on uh, together, um, and it would be great to talk a little bit about what was that uh, first initial uh, meeting through that training period like not just getting to know each other but getting to understand how would you guys be successful in this event what kind of things did you have to do just to just to sort of learn about each other and 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 learn to work as a team
3: i think that takes us back to at least for me uh takes us back to colorado and and that last you know they had kept us at people like sort of i think they narrowed it down to whatever 12 or they were basically figuring out who were those four people going to be and you could tell it was really the first time Jim and I had worked together closely and, and it just worked. I mean, yeah. I think we're both energetic and passionate and loud. And yeah. so we were able to to figure out stuff quickly and and accommodate and and I think in that regard, it just worked. And and that for me took us all the way through uh through to Turkey and then through the event. Just quickly a case in point. If you have a telephone pole, a really long telephone pole that's really heavy, uh You know, my skill set is not going to be to do a squat, put it on my shoulder and sit straight up. But my skill set is if Jim's going to lift up that telephone pole from one end, I'll come underneath, take the use of my strength of my legs and push it up. And off we go.
1: Right.
0: Right. We
3: just had that ability to understand what each person needed and how we accommodated that. And then we were off and running.
0: A little tidbit about how I ended up participating right at the very end of the selections with, with with Daphne. It just so happens that when we first got there, we spent the night in a hotel room with, with one other person. Mm-hmm. So there was eight guys, four girls. Mm-hmm. I was teamed up with a guy, Dave Trachtenberg, okay. that name. He he knew at, at a certain point he was not going to be selected. He, he did a little embellishment a lot on his... He was a fictional writer for Hollywood. <laughs> so he embellished quite a bit. They had to drive him to the hotel because they were going to skin him because <laughs> he didn't want to participate once he knew he wasn't uh, going to make it. Right, right, So they came over to me, and they said, hey, Daphne needs to do this other thing. And You know, you, you're you looking good. Uh, yeah. That was Bonnie, right, mm-hmm. M- one of the other selectors. Yeah. W- wife's was a, a selections process as well. Mm-hmm. She says, you're doing good, but can we get you to, to work with her on this other event, because that other guy is back at the hotel probably being drawn in court. Right. So wait till he hears his name. Right. Nobody's uh, ever going to, nobody's seen that guy since. So yeah, that's right. So anyways, that's how I ended up uh, working with Daphne in that initial right. selections process. We had worked together a little bit because there was some group events, but the, the, you really weren't working one-on-one with each other. Sure. It was kind of, you know, one of those things. And you were teamed up with your roommate for a bunch of things. So right. I, we went out driving, like Daphne said, nighttime driving and wenching and recovery. I was his wench person. In the, I was his right. passenger, yep. like his helper, the Dave Trachtenberg guy, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then when we went to swap, is when he said, "I'm not doing this anymore." He didn't want to go out and wait around in the mud and do the <laughs> right. do the recovery <laughs> Stay side. Stay nicely in the car, nice to drive. and dry. Yeah, right, and they said, right. "You got to get out of here." We'll right. give you Jim. You'll give you another person to drive around with. and right. And again, I think Daphne was already done with her driving. I was one of the last drivers, I think. Right. And then, uh, and then all of a sudden, the next morning, as daybreak, we had to do something with jerry cans or something, running around with. I think it was running around with jerry cans or a tire or something mm-hmm, like that. Mm-hmm. And she just needed her other partner to be able to meet her in certain, I think it was meeting in certain places and then doing other things. Forget how the whole thing went, but yeah. that's when I first started working with Daphne. And once you know, It doesn't take too long to work with a, a woman of her caliber to realize that she would not be a problem to right. have on Camel Trophy. Right. So right. a very big asset. Excellent. She can actually think very clearly when things get very hectic. <laughs> right. I do too, but not maybe as clearly. I'm right. more focused on some other things. So. certainly, certainly. She and keeps then. My what, head what
1: was the uh, what was the event like in that car? Uh, the two Stinky. of you, along with you, yeah, I mean, that is the universal <laughs> comment. Anytime <laughs> we ask that question, it's always like you can't imagine the smell. Uh, you know, uh, one thing for Bob Ives to compete with his brother—they're uh, right. at least a little bit used to it. But you're in a car with a person you've you've not known for that long. Some journalists, and uh, you know, too much gear apparently to fit in one of those uh, in one of those cars. What's that like? What are those? Uh, what's the first week? What's the what's getting through the competition like?
3: Well, sort of a packed question on that. Yeah, but a but lot of stuff there. I, I think for me, I you know, stinky cars, whatever, move yeah. on. But I think that it really was just arriving and seeing the unbelievable amount of, of cameras. Mm. It just, everywhere you went, there were cameras. That, and we're not just talking a couple, we're talking hundreds and hundreds from very, because every country that was participating had their journalists, a right. pool of journalists. Right. And so you just couldn't get away from it. And, and it was hard, I mean, admittedly, because- I was the first woman. And so everybody was, oh, she's the first woman, the first one. And and so that part was like, can you just let Jim and me do what we do? And and, uh, so I, I think that just took some getting used to you know, you want to go pee in the woods. I don't need somebody there with a camera. Like, come on.
0: They're, they're everywhere with cameras. <laughs> yeah. right. Right, right. When you least imagine that all of a sudden there's a lens right. click. Right. <laughs> like there's Nick Dimbleby. <laughs> <I mean, laughs> a lot of pressure on Jim and me. I mean, that's yeah. the thing.
3: It was an, an, a fantastic event. And there were also some human interest parts that were difficult. I right. mean, and, you know, yeah. we were both living in the same tent and you know, you get an average of three hours of sleep a night and Jim's newly yeah. married. And they like, oh, you remember that was just it was there was a lot of the, that extraneous pressure that we right. really had to say just be done with it. Yes, just quickly. One one evening there was it was dark. We were asleep or were starting to sleep in the tent, and Jim's like, "Daphne, do not move. Do not move." And I'm like, "Jim, what's going on?" "Do not move." Well, apparently the tarantula had oh, come in scorpion. the tent with or scorpion had come in the tent with us.
0: <laughs> he was walking <laughs> right here. Oh no! Oh, oh no! Now, when I said she keeps her cool. Yeah. Those kind of things push her a little to the boundary. Right, right, right. right. She didn't want to get back in that tent for the rest of the night after we shook it all out. <laughs> what, what happened, the reason why it happened is everything was moist. Yes. And be, we had a little time in the daytime, so we hung the tent over some bushes. Uh, yes. Hung a sleeping bag and stuff over the sure. bushes to dry it out a little sure. more. And apparently somebody had wandered, right. yeah. wandered aboard. Yeah. So I, I, I put, the, <laughs> the, put the headlamp on it, and, and, and you know at this point- not happy with me, yeah. And I, I don't know why it's my fault, but it happens it's beyond me. So we got it out of the thing, and then yeah. made sure we shook everything else out, yeah. and then finally, yeah. maybe you got a little bit of sleep. But the
3: the the yeah. event was, I mean, was just amazing. unbelievable. Just the I, I'll just say, just the the people, the countries. So we yes. went through Belize, Mexico, Guatemala, Honduras, El Salvador, and back to Belize. And and you know, you're in the Guatemalan mountains, and just the sheer beauty was stunning absolutely stunning and so the people and then you know you have the competitions you've got you know 30 hours of nonstop competition on the front end and the back end and then in the middle you also have a separate competition Mm -hmm. so you know you're you're doing all those competitions and then you're climbing back in your vehicle and now you got to drive for another six hours um but it was fantastic i mean i wish we could do it again because knowing what we know now right you know you'd certainly do it differently i think but um or or just compliment it but it well, was, that's it was unbelievable.
1: That's another perfect segue. We like to ask every Camel Trophy uh, competitor two questions. One is, if you uh, if you had an opportunity to do any other year of Camel Trophy, is there one that you guys would uh, would want to do? Obviously, you did yours, and it's fantastic. But if you had the opportunity uh, as a competitor, because I, I you know I'm sure you guys worked with the Camel Trophy as they as all competitors do, but if you had a, a year you could do that you could add, uh, they let you get back in and do a second term, uh, which one would you want to do? All of them. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, all the places
0: they went were really interesting. Yeah. Cool. So to me, it's yeah. it's going to different places. I mean, off the top of my head, I would have loved to uh gone to Russia. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Siberia. Yeah, That would be cool. Yeah. I mean, I... I think I enjoy cold weather slightly more than Daphne does. So, <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> what about you, Daphne? What's another one you I, would?
3: I think I, I I was lucky enough to be a support driver in 1996 with Kelly Mantin, Yeah, and and we had real mud then. Yeah. When we were in Central America, Moon Maya, muddy. it was it was very dry because um, the they were in the middle of a drought, late. and so that impacted the driving. Right, and and so you were sort of always anticipating. It's right. going to get more challenging. Right. And while we had challenging portions, I don't think it was not nearly what I experienced in Kelly 10 in 96. So for me, I think I would say anything from 96 to Jim's point, going back.
1: Back, yeah. Because
3: that, I, but I think we were, I feel really blessed that we had that time for both the, the physical competition mixed in with the, with the driving and then just the pure driving.
0: Ours um, was more, the mud wasn't the problem in ours, yeah. the heat. Heats right. So yes. I mean, there was journalists dropping all the time, and they weren't doing anything. Right. Right. And <laughs> and and the Italian, one of the Italian teammates, he had heat exhaustion three times before they pulled him. Right. Ooh. Yeah. So I mean, it was. I mean, was, there was a couple times it was like 115 ish in the shade. Yeah.
3: And 97 percent humidity. The yeah.
0: humidity was brutal. Right. right. Lots is, of bugs. Yeah. It was weird. I think
3: I mean, we. Dro- I know I dropped like 10 pounds. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so I, I don't know do what you dropped, but yeah, it was a lot.
0: Wow. Wow. And what
1: about the uh, what about the vehicle you guys obviously a uh, 5-door discovery if you had an opportunity to do it uh, again in a different vehicle what's your after your own what's your second favorite camel trophy uh, land rover what did you drive in, in uh, the
2: 110 uh, yes, yeah I I, I I like the 110 yeah 110 uh, one, 110 that yeah. seems to be the universal response. Yeah. you know yeah. that's what everybody agrees on the consensus vehicle that
0: is is the 110 is the 110, i couldn't yeah. apply for um support driving in 96 we were having our next child right yeah so yeah. i went back in 97 for mongolia right. drove the ambulance which is a 110 with yeah. a doctor and a dentist in it and nice that was that was uh it's it's so much more uh, relaxing when you're not
2: yeah competitor. yeah right that's what you t- don't have to be <laughs> yeah, in shaped, sense, you know yeah. You, yeah
0: you can hang out a little bit you can yell at other competitors
1: <laughs> so that's fantastic so
0: so tell us what's the next adventure what's uh what, what's the next challenge we just sold our big house. I'm about to build another house. so Excellent. That's a big challenge. I've, I've built all of our houses. so Wow. I don't want to do my last 20 years in a house I didn't build. Wow. So. Fair enough. Well, yeah, when, that's you,
2: right. when you have a slot next, I need one.
0: Okay. No problem. Well, hopefully it'll be a lot more than <laughs> and, 20 and, years and as and well, that, Jim. You? What's your next adventure?
3: uh well there's there's what is and there's what you would like like to right, do. Right. and sure. those two things so home repairs <laughs> necessity there you go Sim- similar
0: to mine exactly right yeah. She That's probably right. wants me to come over and put some windows it in her makes house. sense, yeah, it makes sense yeah exactly
3: yeah. uh but I would love to do another extended backpacking trip mm-hmm. cool i uh, I would love to do that, and also um a certain driving trip yeah. that for right now will remain quiet yeah,
0: absolutely but... yeah. don't let anybody know it's there's a few driving, driving trips that I would yeah. like to do before. Are you uh, able to talk about them? I, I would like to do some stuff in in South America. Yeah, yeah. So sure. I've done, I've done, I've been back to Central uh, once or twice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I brought the family a little bit. We did some adventures over there. Yeah. So I'd like to, I'd like to check out. Uh, well, there's a lot of countries I like to check out. It's just that just happens to be Argentina is wonderful. Well, I've been to Argentina. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. With Land Rover, we spent some, we spent a week or two over there, maybe more. I forget. It was a big press event. Cool. That was awesome. Actually, one of the best trips was back to Belize for mm-hmm. us. I mean, mm-hmm. that, the mm-hmm. Belize trip, that, and everybody's probably seen that photo of the Disco- of the LR Discovery? LR. No, it's was a Discovery. Discovery, with the breaking over the hood, mm-hmm. the water. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Way beyond what you're supposed to do for water depth. Right. Uh, and that was the Belize trip. You were there. Yeah. And, yep. and th- That was probably one of the funnest trips that I've done because there was so much water. Right. I mean- it was supposed to be dry then. And okay. It was very wet. <laughs> it was very wet. We were supposed to get to a bridge, yeah, and we were in water. You know, it was it was kind of hovering around this deep for miles before we got to the bridge, Ooh. and then we had to turn around because the bridge was apparently about eight feet underwater. And three weeks before that, it was fifteen feet above the water. <laughs> wow. I remember,
3: oh I remember on that event crawling through the passenger side door to get to the driver's seat, but I had to cross over a, uh, a journalist. Actually, it was an exec. <laughs> who <laughs> will remain nameless. But uh-huh. just to get back into the seat cuz there was so much mud and it was just such Yeah, no that was fantastic. I mean, I think some of those Land Rover adventures yes. that Land Rover corporate does around the country whether yeah. it be a Moab or they were doing some in Jordan or South Africa or in this case Belize were just unbelievable. And and you think that customers who may not own a vehicle or they right. may just arrive, and, yeah. and this is their experience. And right. it's something that they will never forget.
1: Absolutely. You know, so Absolutely, th-
3: those are really, you know, some of those doors, I always say, I feel blessed, both in the work with Land Rover and then in the state of California that we've been, yeah. it was able to do, yeah. you know, as a result of Camel Trophy. And what right. a great, what a great door to open.
1: Well, and now both of you, uh, sort of, to start wrapping up here, are working. You work with Land Rover, and you get the opportunity to introduce brand new people uh, to what these vehicles can do. These new vehicles can do, bringing new people into this community, uh, bringing us new podcast listeners, which we appreciate. Uh, But what is what's your favorite part about a brand new? Land Rover owner maybe in Defender uh, going out with you the first time and really starting to realize you know what these what these machines are uh, are capable of is there something you see time and again that uh, you know is sort of something that keeps you keeps you wanting to do it it's it's pretty
0: rewarding to see people that have bought something that they want to use yeah and that they just want to learn about it and the things that you can the little things that that seem like they're like second nature to us cuz we were, we live around the vehicles all the time right and they start realizing that what this button does or what that program does, mm-hmm. and it opened their eyes up to a whole different world because a lot of times the vehicle, if you use it right, it will work a lot better for you. Right. Right. <laughs> so uh, being very general, I guess. But yes. Right. 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 I'm, although it, this weekend, the, the three times I've been up on the trails yes. have been in all three, it just happens to all three be in 2004 Discovery 2s <laughs> that are new to the people. Right, so it's a lot easier to explain those buttons. Sure, Sure. because the new buttons do a lot more stuff. There's a lot more functionality in the newer vehicles. Yeah, no, that's. And I think Daphne's fairly similar. I always see her glowing when she's out, and people are getting the light bulbs are coming on. You know, that's what we like to see. So that doesn't
3: mean that sometimes you don't feel like you're a shrink.
0: Sometimes (laughs) I'll be like, "Oh,
3: my degree is not in psychology," because some of those dynamics that occur, whether it be a husband-wife team, oftentimes. You know, the man will drive in the morning and in the afternoon he thinks he's an expert. So now he's telling his wife what to do and you can see her begin to bubble up and, you know, you'll see women where you'll say, do you want to drive? And the response is, no, I don't need to. I didn't Uh, ask you if you needed to. I asked you if you wanted to. And so some of that is just being able to quiet all those voices that are going on inside and just like enjoy the moment. It is a, you know... it's a magical moment to go and look at the scenery and just and the vehicle that will do it. And so comfortable. We've all been in other vehicles and for days teaching. And then you get back into a land where you're like, this yes. is why I love it. <laughs> you know, like I, it. I mean, they get it. Yeah. And 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 that beauty of that vehicle is just outstanding. And, and in places in Moab, they're like, we should not be here. And <laughs> this person, it's the first time they've been off road. And the smile that they have on their face, and that level of like self-confidence, but not too much, um, it it is one of those magical moments. Jim certainly does still more training than I do necessarily, but it is it brings you such joy.
1: Well, that is fantastic. Well, Ike and I are very lucky to uh, definitely have two partners who are significantly better drivers than we are, both professional rally drivers. And Daphne, for you just quickly, um, you know, that is, I know such a huge thing for Virginia, who you've spoken with, and my wife, Liza, who uh, you haven't had the benefit of, but uh, that the, to break the trail in such an incredible event, uh, to be the first woman to do that, to inspire generations of, uh, of women to get into, uh, you know, a space that has traditionally been reserved only for uh, men or thought to be um, you know, really, I think, has enabled things like the Rebel Rally that uh, that Liza and Jenna uh, compete in. And uh, I know you were a, an enormous inspiration uh, to that uh, crowd of people. And so, you know, for that, thank we you. as members of that community, thank you. And, uh, and hopefully we see uh, a bunch of, uh, you know, a bunch of uh, girls out there learning how to do this. And, uh, you know, my little nine-year-old uh, Cooper is uh, already uh, sitting uh, passenger seat with mom learning how to, how to press all those buttons and, uh, and how to do all that. And, and, uh, is, uh, you know, is just about tall enough to drive my 80 inch. So we're, nice. uh, you know, uh, I'm sure that generation will certainly, uh, will certainly, uh, uh surpass everything that, 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 we've accomplished. And, uh, that's large in part to, to you folks breaking, uh, that trail and, uh, and we as a, as a community really, uh, appreciate you guys for that. So
3: thank you.
0: Thank you for having us. Thank you.
1: And you're welcome to come back anytime. We cannot possibly cover uh, even a fraction of a Camel Trophy event in only one uh, short podcast. But uh, again, thanks for being with us. Thanks for being here at the uh, Diamond Jubilee and uh, hanging out with uh, with the uh, Land Rover crowd, such as they are, the tribe, the uh, gang, whatever you want to uh, call them. Uh, everybody appreciates uh, seeing you here and uh, and being with us. So thanks again for joining us. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Well, man, it's such a pleasure to uh, to chat with those folks. And you know, it's the funny thing. Like Tim Hensley, Jim, of course, also has like a whole separate automotive interest set from Land Rovers, right? He's super sure. into Unimogs.
2: He's interested in Unimogs and early Toyota mini trucks and super fun to talk to him about those. I've got a got a Unimog, little yep. Unimog habit on the side as well. And so yep. we had a lot to, to talk about there. Those uh, crazy agricultural Unimogs are mm-hmm. pretty fun, pretty interesting. Mm-hmm mechanically
1: mm-hmm. so when you're already the scarface of uh, land rover ownership you know you need something on the
2: side you need a little a little extra kick Something to just keep things interesting i i'm not sure i understand your uh, analogy there <laughs> I, are you saying that uh i am to land rovers like Scarface is to cocaine that's what i'm saying yes
1: exactly uh, yes i think
2: you you understood the analogy exactly <laughs>
1: all right all <laughs> yeah right. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, the Hefflingers and the, uh, and the Unimogs and things are just, uh, just a little bit of crystal meth on the side or something. I don't know. No, I, don't I know. guess, I guess yeah, just a little bit, but no, it was wonderful. Wonderful to talk to Daphne, obviously an incredible part of women in off-road history and, yeah. uh, just generally a really
2: wonderful person. Really nice Dan's to Just chat. an advocate for, uh, you know, uh, wild spaces. It's yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And her
1: and Jenna became uh fast friends at uh, dinner at, uh, Anarch and, uh, I'm sure there will be uh, many uh, stories traded between those folks on the rallying and all of that businesses. Daphne, it sounds like, uh, has been to uh, a lot of the same places and uh, is sort of responsible in a a way for a lot of the uh, spots that we like to uh, visit and hang out in. And uh, that's pretty cool. Super cool. Super neat. And also great to see uh, Jim again. Of course, Jim was part of our uh, ill-fated uh, attempt to do a podcast at the previous Destination Defenders. So we finally completely righted that wrong. And, uh, and it was great to talk to him uh, as well. So, all right. Well, uh, we have yet again come to the end of what is uh, another uh, spectacular, just less than an hour of uh, land rovering. Unfortunately, we have run out of time uh, for. Mike's nando's review this week but please keep your photos of piri piri and uh len nando's restaurants coming and bob ives recently sent a photo outside of a uh nando's in namibia which uh, looked like it was in like a like a temple or something it was very it was like a
2: nando's temple we uh we received a uh photograph from a listener and uh she she sent us a uh very tasteful photograph Mm -hmm. of herself Mm -hmm. in uh so a revealing photo with Mm -hmm. uh some piri piri sauce that was uh you know placed just so just so yeah so mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. if you uh if you have similar photos please uh send them to steven yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's right you know it's uh, the spicy
1: photos but not for the reason you think anyways well at that it's been a slice we'll uh, see you next week all
2: right take care